The following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both a player's and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Mr. (laughs) Christopher Holmes. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm full because (laughs) I've been eating my leftover Korean barbecue from yesterday. (laughs) Ice. Cooked about seven pounds for my gaming group last night. Smoked it all day. Oh, sent you pictures. Sent you, sent Stefan pictures of my meat. Not my yep. man meat, but my barbecue meat. <laughs> I know he was disappointed. Sorry, He was Stephen. still jealous. He was still jealous. He's not joining us today because he's celebrating the Canada Day, don't you know? Yep, with his family. With his family, yeah. So enjoy, uh, my friend. And, uh, yeah, so I spent mm-hmm. all day yesterday out in the sun, 90-degree weather, helping my son build a, a, a shed in his yard. So mm-hmm. Getting my <sighs> updates throughout the day, right? <laughs> Jealous pictures of your meat as I worked away, slaved away, drinking beer and building a shed. <laughs> nice. Nice. We went through – my son and I went through a lot of beer yesterday. That's awesome. all I got to say. <laughs> great <laughs> that's cool so let's see so other than that news our, our my my cooking update and um <laughs> tony's um projects with family update um there's no news mm-hmm. freaking ffg come on guys give us something yeah. i know up. gen con's right right around the corner so i'm sure we're going to be getting something in a month but yeah throw us a know. rope come on we're float we're floating here without a I mean a rope. I mean a bone. I mean heck, I'll, I'll even take like a small little like shard of a bone, not a full bone, just a little a squeaky toy. Give us I'll, a squeaky yeah, toy. Give me a squeaky toy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah. yeah, so I guess um, we'll just get let's just get into the listener feedback here. We got a couple of pretty good ones actually. Yeah. 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 If you want to, I, I you know what I'm usually the guy that reads this, but if you want to read the one, I can read the other since there's two of us here. Sure, I'll read. Um, so I'll, I'll read the first one here if you'd like. All right, sure, go ahead. Um, so this is from Wickus Boozy. Hi, <laughs> is that is that right or Boozy? I think it's boys. Boys, boo. Well, all right. Boys, boozy, whatever. <laughs> Hi, any thoughts on uh, pronouncing my name right? No. Scale, uh, any thoughts on downscaling the skills list? Been playing with the idea mostly because my groups prefer smaller and broader lists like that of Fate Core. Only issue, I think, is that there could be um, an abnormal skill interaction with talents. Thoughts? P.S. <laughs> The show FKN Rocks, so 
fucking rocks. I'm pretty sure that's what he was trying to say. And, you know, <laughs> we could say that on this podcast. Um, it is <laughs> required listening at our table. Holy crap, dude. We're like homework. <laughs> I know. It's kind of cool. I think we've we've raised our game to a whole new level here. Um, yeah. <laughs> helped everyone get their heads around sharing a narrative. Wickus. Oh, man, that is a great compliment. I'm, I'm sorry, everybody, that we're required listening, but... <laughs> Glad we're helping you wrap your head around it, and um, it's helping us wrap our heads around the system too a bit too. Yeah. I now I had I had some ideas on on his question yeah, here. Yeah. Go into that, dude. What you got? Yeah. So, uh, what, what I his idea of shortening the the skill list? You could combine some skills, like you could combine mm-hmm. athletics and coordination together, and just call it athletics. Right. You could combine skullduggery and stealth, and just call it skullduggery. Mm-hmm. You could combine computers and mechanics and, and call it mechanics. Yeah, It really it doesn't matter. Driving mm-hmm. and piloting could become vehicle operations, things like that. Yeah. So anywhere you want to combine like that, you could totally mm-hmm. do that. I think the way to achieve what you're looking for in a fate kind of feel, though, is by uncoupling the skills. Okay. Uh, and it, whether you shrink the skill list or not, Uncouple the skills and then let the characters choose their their characteristic. their characteristic that they're going to approach a situation with. That makes it feel a little more flexible, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and again, with the smaller skill list, that that totally works. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then the last thing is, if you need to retool any talent, just adjust them so that they affect the characteristic that. That, that the character would choose instead of a specific skill. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's existing ones. For instance, you know, you could, or a specific skill characteristic combination. For instance, let's go with, um, I use the example of uh, using willpower vehicles check. So, mm-hmm. willpower vehicles check. When you would make a willpower vehicles check, maybe you're trying to hold a vehicle that is falling apart together. Yeah. Or maybe you're, um, trying to keep a um, something like uh, the example I'm trying to think of here is like you have a very narrow window to thread the needle on. You have a very small alley you're trying to drive a, a, yep. a car in. Mm-hmm. Willpower vehicles would be a kind of check there. Yep. And you could, have, yeah. you could have um, you could have it. You could even have a make a willpower vehicles check to not get road rage. If there you, you go. I mean, that's something, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they're, yeah, that could be, that could be, that could be yep. something there. But yeah, with willpower, it's just a matter of, and think of you know discipline, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, needing to keep the to keep it steady, especially like down the alley, like you were saying, or saying, yeah, you're probably gonna make it through that intersection if you just gun it, right? Yeah. Like you know what I think of? I think of that that movie, um, Days of Thunder. Right. Remember? Okay. And he's and they said, OK, you know, in the NASCAR, I guess they were talking about if you see if you're coming up on a on a crash, don't slow down. Just keep on going. Right. And that takes some takes some now, the first time to he, do that. Right. First time he went through, he crashed and he almost died. The mm-hmm. second time he went through definitely was a willpower check because mm-hmm. he had to force himself to do what he was supposed to do. Absolutely. And you can even and I would even do something along the lines of if. If you have a driver, <clears throat> um, maybe your um, maybe your wheelman gets into this kind of an accident, rolls of despair, 
in one encounter, right? And maybe later on in the adventure or that night or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you have him make a... No, you're not going to use dexterity or not... Sorry, dexterity. Sorry, I've been playing a D-Shift 70 game. <laughs> um, agility and mm-hmm. vehicles. Pull for willpower vehicles check to say, hey, you know what? Last time you kind of broke your leg or whatever, right? And, you know, you need to make this check now. So, Right. So in this case, I use the example of like um, knack for it. If you were going to make a knack for it type talent, Mm -hmm. it would apply to those specific situations where it's willpower and vehicles. You could have it apply to agility and vehicles or agility and melee checks. You could – or not not melee checks, sorry, because you can't do combat skills. But Mm -hmm. um, I'd still keep it to where you couldn't do those – like where those rules exist where like knack for it isn't usable on uh, magic or uh, combat checks but mm-hmm. still um, you could do and something th- like you can maybe do a brawn coercion check mm-hmm. right like you're flexing just kind of you know flexing your countenance in front of them or just slamming a table or whatever next to somebody right. you know if you wanted to and you could totally make those kinds of rolls <clears throat> and it kind of yep. goes into this into the next feedback that Jeremy Hall has, you know, the next email mm-hmm. as well. Right. So I'm going to get into reading that. Uh, by the way, thank you, Vicus. I think it's Vicus. Is it Vicus? It might Wickus, be. Vicus. Vicus, Vicus. Thank you very much for writing us, and thank you for the Absolutely. compliment, by the way. Yes. And to the rest of his table, glad you all are enjoying the, enjoying the show. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. <clears throat> all right. On to the second one from Jeremy Hall here where he says, first, loving the podcast. Thank you for your service, Tony. Oh, my military service. Yeah, uh, no problem. And Chris, uh, I hope your Vikings murder or maim and maim. Murder and maim. Wow. In that order, I think, maybe? Potentially. (laughs) Whatever it is they face on Sundays. (laughs) That would be other football teams. And yes, me too. (laughs) Or is he talking about... Hrothgar, my Viking that I'm playing in that other system. Both. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> it says, I'm currently binge listening to your show. As of right now, I've made, it to ep- <laughs> I've made it to episode 23. Uh, I have one question. You, Tony, mentioned that when you first started playing with the narrative dice system, you were asking for too many rolls. I was hoping you could go more in depth on this. How did you change? What roles did you drop? Um, are there other growing pains you or Chris went through or any advice to new Genesis GMs coming from the non-narrative dice systems? I love the narrative dice system, but don't have a lot of experience playing or running due to my group's harmful addiction to D-Shift 7D. Which isn't a bad thing, by the way. That's not a yeah. bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've tried some interventions, and I have... <laughs> I have cured a few and ran a handful of sessions, but any advice on how to improve as a GM specifically with this system would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Grateful fan, JT Hall, PS, if you ever need a player to test Genesis and Fantasy Grounds Unity when the beta comes out, hit me up. (laughs) Funny you just said that because I just linked my, um, my, my reward from my pledge reward, I guess, from the fantasy grounds unity thing today with my fantasy grounds account so woohoo yeah we'll keep you in mind that'd be good nice 
So you got any anecdotes for him before I go into my rather lengthy? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I count. Well, first off, uh, Jeremy, um, I counted three and a half questions. I'm not complaining, though. Those are really good questions. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Growing pains for me and advice. Let's see. You know, I must tell you, um, the narrative dice system, I started what, probably about five years ago when it first came out. I think I started playing the when the Age of Rebellion beta came out. Um, so that was, a, that was a little while ago. Um, <clears throat> it's made me a better dungeon master in that other system and a game master in other games because I had to unlearn what I had learned. <laughs> about it exactly it's the simple pass fail for doing that for what 30 years or so yeah. um it's hard to un it's hard to undo that but once you get it and you look at the dice roll the dice being a means to the narrative end and not just the end oh i rolled the nat 20 i crit yay awesome or i hit or i fail um then it really opens it up. Um, and even in these other systems, just barely making a check, just barely missing a check, making a check by 10 or whatever, I've added some good things that happen on top of the successes or some good things that happen on some of the just misses and such. Um, that's helped me. Now, as a player, <clears throat> specifically Change, well, how I tried to change my brain there was I flipped my character sheet over so I didn't see the skill list. And I didn't see what that character had ranks in in order to decide what I was going to do. I just decided to do it. And then I flipped it over. Oh, I actually have two ranks in that. That's awesome. Or you to let the GM know what you're going to do and then you work on, well, what skill are you going to use? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably think of something else. Go through your list if you'd like. Well, when what, when he's talking about in in episode twenty three is what I was talking about. Kind of what you're going on there is mm-hmm. that I came from at that time. I was I had run a fifteen year streak of D and D three point five and Pathfinder mm-hmm. uh, with the same group that was consistently seven to ten players. Huge. Ouch. And. It so, takes a long time to do some combat, man. I've run a seven-player game <laughs> oh, hours, man. And then, right. So, and then but round what two. You, <laughs> but when you would ask for a perception check, everybody at the table would roll it. Yeah. So you would set, you know, the difficulty would be really high, so there's that rare chance that someone will pass it, so you can really hammer home a failure. Mm-hmm. Or when, you know, the difficulty would be relatively low, so everybody but one party member can notice it. And you can kind of, you know, give the varying degrees of success in between with, okay, you notice this and then you notice this based on how many people succeeded and had succeeded by how much and so on and so forth. I had that already in my in my way I ran things. But anyhow, coming to this where it was. I would find, okay, everybody roll a perception check. By the time you get to the fourth or fifth person, there's nobody that has any clue on how to spend advantage and triumph because they've already got all the extra clues or they've already got uh, a ton of stuff added to the scene and so it's just mm-hmm. i'll pass a boost die to dale or i'll give a upgrade to jen and yep and while that is fine 
in rules as written, really when it comes to making your party make a check in Genesis, you do a party check. Yeah. You have one player role. Now each time you do this, you try to share the share the wealth and spread it around the room. You don't, you know, if you're going to have a party perception check this round and have Jen roll it next round, you're not going to have Dale or Jen roll it again. You'll have Dale roll it this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on and so forth. And I'm <laughs> using my friends' names that are around my table most of the time here. Yeah. But um, and knowledge rolls, perception rolls, stealth checks, things like that. Um, all those tend to be just one party check. And that's what I was talking about. And then there's also Genesis taught me that there doesn't need to be a role for everything. Now I had yes. learned that in other systems too, but I kind of only incorporated that in other systems. You know, you don't roll for this. You don't roll for that. Oh, okay. I'll do it in that game. But Genesis taught me is there's a lot of things. For instance, if you're doing an investigation and the players must have absolutely must have three specific clues, don't make them roll for those three specific clues. Mm-hmm. Give them those three specific clues. Everything else that you make them roll for is extra. Yep. Or you make it, or you make it um, maybe a little longer time that they learn those clues if they happen to fail. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It might take. But they them a little still more time. get them right. Yep. Yeah. And and a, and a way to do that would be. And I was noodling over with my buddy one time. Um, <clears throat> Look at, don't even, the thing is, whenever, to, to cut down on a number of roles, think about the consequences of a role. Mm-hmm. Is there, are there consequences? If they have to, if you're having them roll something and there are consequences for failure, yes, by all means, make them roll. But if there isn't, don't have them roll the dice. Don't waste the time. With one you know? caveat for Genesis, mm-hmm. if there's, if there's also a reason for advantage and triumph to be spent or threat and despair to be spent, Mm -hmm. then maybe a role is needed and that role doesn't necessarily determine success or failure, but it more determines the narrative around that is being built. Right. Like for instance, if, if they're coming on, so going to the, to your investigation example, Mm -hmm. say you're playing a Cthulhu kind of game, right? And you have a knowledge occult, um, skill that's out there. Not everybody right. has knowledge occult, but you give the when you're describing the room, you give them the um, the details, right? But what you do is you tell that person and who has that one rank in knowledge occult, hey, you notice there's a book on the bookshelf. Why don't you make a roll real quick <clears throat> to see if you recognize it? And it just, for some reason, that one rank allows them to see those little details and pick it up. You don't even have to make them roll. You could just give it to them and say, yeah, there's a Necronomicon, you see. Right? Yep. Just having ranks in a knowledge skill a lot of times can be just enough Mm -hmm. to have given them the success that they need for the minorest Mm -hmm. of little details like that. Right. Or any skill, to be honest with you. Even your combat skills. I've heard, I heard a, um, maybe it was one of the podcasts what the heck was it i know what you're talking about you know what i'm talking about noticing weapons quality that when you pick it up based on just having ranks in that weapon skill exactly absolutely yep yep Yep. if they ask about it it's like well what do you got in it how many ranks you got in okay well you'll know this 
Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and okay, so another bad habit that a lot of players had, like Chris had said, um, mm-hmm. as a player, he had to turn his character sheet over with the skill list yeah. because you'll find that a lot of ex- players who play Pathfinder, we still find this with some of our players now and again, who've played a lot of Pathfinder, D and mm-hmm. um, or other systems where it's skill specific and or there's not tr- untrained skills. Um, the uh, when you're trying to teach them that any player can roll a skill check, whether they have ranks in it or not, the e- easiest way to do that, if they won't force themselves to do it, is to separate the PCs and put them in situations where the skills they use are not in their wheelhouse. There you go. Yeah. So uh, I've done this to Chris on a couple of occasions with his character Baca in Star Wars, where <laughs> Baca is a uh, Baca is a badass at some skills, but Chris has rolled more other skills that he's not a badass at and done really well at those mm-hmm. skill checks, and those have created very cool moments and made other players in the room go, "Oh, I can just roll that and." I don't have any ranks in it. By having one player that you do that to, you can force the others to see it. Yep. Yeah. Um, kind of a, like a like a teaching experience. Yep. <clears throat> and yeah. then the last, and then the kind of I also said that um, getting your characters to uh, or your players, getting them to learn that it's okay to do other things in combat besides hack or slash. That means you got to make your encounters dynamic. You have to put things in the environment for them to interact with. And that's a that's just a thing that you learn as a GM. Yep. Always provide things in your description of the environment that are things they can interact with, especially if you have characters that are not uh, combat-oriented. Give them something. Like if you have a mechanic type character give him something he can use mechanics on maybe he can operate a crane and take out a group of minions or there you go or uh maybe you have an orc scout that you know you're he's in an alley but he notices a nest of rats in that alley that with a well-placed disturbance can distract a guard and help a friend to hide that'd be a survival check you know little things Mm -hmm. like that yeah yeah those are all really good and then the last thing and we've mentioned it before on this podcast, is once you got them used to spending threat and advantage, take away the cheat sheets, the charts that suggest what to spend it on, mm-hmm. and only let them spend it narratively, or shouldn't say only, encourage them to spend it narratively as much mm-hmm. as possible. Because yeah, they're going to already know the mechanical benefits of it. Benefits of it. Yeah. And we try, we, we tend to, um, when we do our advantageous threats, whenever we're upgrading each other's, when we're flipping those story points and upgrading those checks, for me, it's required to tell me, why are you doing it? Give me a reason. Why is it so, why is it, why are you getting this upgrade? And it just, any answer is a good answer, really. Yeah. I mean, I mean. yeah, I mean, we give Stefan boost dice for no reason whatsoever just because he asks for them. Yeah, <laughs> and he's pretty, right? I mean, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he does. He's a boost die whore. Love you, stuff. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so those are, those are, um, those are really good. Yeah, Jeremy, thanks for listening to us. Thanks for joining us over on Mayway. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. He joined just, us over there. Yeah. He even braved the Nerds International community, oh, which, you know. Good luck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, watch that. <laughs> <laughs>
that's that's not safe for work (laughs) for sure (laughs) well i hope our answers help and of course thanks for writing us guys um we'll uh we'll continue with answering emails as they come in definitely Um, all right so ready to get on on the next show piece let's do it Welcome to 50 Pieces of Awesome. This is where Chris goes out onto the interwebs or goes as far as our Google Drive and finds something that we've either downloaded or found uh, um, or that he has found on his own and um, yeah, tells us about it. What's what's this week's uh, piece? Well, this week's be- this beast, this week's beast is <laughs> the Tiernaut Bestiary that Tony reminded me that we had on her google drive <laughs> and had looked at and you know what this is truly 50 pieces of awesome 30 pages of awesome at that um written by Arculus and flobio we found up on the um ffg community there um giving special thanks um to corral Drainsmith, watercolor dragon um and basically this bestiary was created from for Tiernoth from the monsters from the Descent Battle Lore and the Rune Wars games. I've never played any of those, but no, damn. These um, there is basically so starting on page three, all the way up to page thirty, <laughs> we have beasts. There's a nice index at the back too, and pretty much ever. I don't think I saw a beast in here that did not have a picture. Yeah. Which it's is really great. nice. Yes. And of course, there's all kinds of, um, uh, what do you call it, um, stuff out there from all the, all the uh, board games and such to get, these, to get this from. Um, one, of, <laughs> one of the things I liked was this changeling uh-huh. minion. And there's a sidebar, the many faces um, that I believe, like... So they could be like a civilian. Then there's like a whole, min, uh, what do you call it? A minion group can be one of these, which is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a neat little um, concept there where it's like equipment. Look below. And yeah. then, if I, yeah. If cool. I could add one suggestion to the creators of this document, um, mm-hmm. I would say don't use a white font on a white background. Um, unless my computer's doing something wrong here. Um, Give me an example. Let's see if I I have it in mind. That particular many faces, it's, I have a white, white background and white font over the top of it. Uh, no, for me, for me, it's coming out, um, brown and it's kind of a, kind of a tan. Okay. um, So it's it's the color rendering on my pay on my computer. So never mind. Could All be right, good. Or the reflection of your pale white skin on your monitor. I don't know. Could be that. <laughs> that is. That is. But I, I do want to say I okay, so that is it's not great. an actual complaint then, because that is just Can definitely my any. computer. Could be. Huh? Yeah. yeah. It might be the program I'm using because mm-hmm. I'm not using um a, uh, Acrobat Reader. Yeah. I'm yeah, not, I've got I the PDF. It, it looks fine in Adobe for me. What what, okay. what else do you have? I mean, this is great. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff in here. Well, my favorite so far has been the barrel worm on page four. Really? Let's it's see, essentially page. a dracolich. 
Oh. More to come on that. <laughs> AKA. Yeah. Tony's got some thoughts on this. <laughs> Holy <laughs> so, buckets. I love that. I loved um I love the oh, fact that it? it's basically three quarters of a page. Holy fudge nuggets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is like the whole page. Yeah, and then on page fourteen, the other one I really liked was the Demon Lord. I love it. It looks like yeah. the Balrog from Lord of the Rings. Oh, I heck love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. That and it's a great, it's a great nemesis uh, from looking at it. Of course, you know I love my nemeses. Yep. And the talents, the Hellfire talent uh, attack, love them. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yep. And oh, that's a pretty and, cool and, fire shield. Oh my gosh! And our hard yes. arcade check. The check succeeds. The demon lord reduces the damage of all hits suffered by one plus one for every two successes beyond the first. If the attack attacking, uh, if an attack targeting the demon lord generates three threat or a despair, the attacker suffers a hit inflicting damage equal to the total damage of the. I love reflection attacks. That's nice, great. isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's really good. maneuver. So basically, that's that's a barrier spell that you can concentrate on to maneuver. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well yep. done. Yeah. All of you guys that worked on that, good job. Holy crap. I would not want to get hit by this sword. Damn. <laughs> Did you see this? Yeah. Damage. And first off, the thing's using three yellow, two green to hit you. Damage yeah. 13? What? Critical two. Range short. Makes sense. It's mm-hmm. big freaking it's got a reach. Bellog, yep. Defensive, pierce, unwieldy. And it counts as a staff implement. I like that idea. Using it as a staff implement. Yeah. Yes. That's cool, yes, dude. This, their sword is usable as a staff implement. Yes. And that's that's just a descriptive for that particular creature. And that's oh, exactly. something that you could totally do mm-hmm. for any item in the hands of a nemesis. Just Make, make a note implement. of it. Yeah, make it their yeah. implement. That is so sweet. Yeah. Uh, by the mm-hmm. way, I did open this in Adobe, and it looks just fine. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Don't uh, don't use a uh, cheap knockoff uh, <laughs> PDF reader. <laughs> and that's not for the creators. That's for all you who I want to open this. <laughs> yeah, man. This is great. Yeah. There's so there's so many fleshy batty bits in this <laughs> in this document. This is great. Oh, man, a hellhound. Oh, the shadow dragon. What? Page 25. Page yeah. 25. Uh-huh. I hope everybody's just awesome, just okay with us, just kind of oh, shadow dragon. Oh, man, shadow dragon, what? <laughs> yeah. Sweep attack, still, wow. And there's the one thing you gotta do, though, playing a dragon, though granted this isn't that D-Shift 7D game so they don't have to you don't have to take your dragons to a whole new level because the game's named after them but you gotta play your dragons like you gotta like they're dragons mm-hmm. you know oh, they yeah. just can't be punks that's right yeah don't play yeah there there you go jeremy there's another there's another <laughs> gm advice for you don't play your dragons like punks <laughs> <laughs> shambling colossus what a great freaking picture Yep. <laughs> Bone spurs. <laughs> That's cool. yeah. This is good. This is good stuff. The siege golem. 
<laughs> I look at that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a dwarf. That's mm-hmm. a dwarf <laughs> siege weapon. I think of the extended version of, you know, uh, what do you call it? The third Hobbit movie. <laughs> right? Yep. Put a yep. freaking repeating crossbow in the back of that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this is, good. Uh, this is really good. Great job, community. I hope they can. I continue to see more stuff added to it as they add stuff to the other games, uh, oh, because yeah. this is what we really hoped that FFG would be doing is adding. Oh, I don't know these kinds of things to Genesis mm-hmm. along the way. So <laughs> it's good to see the community taking an active role in doing it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you guys are great. If you want to do, if you if you just come up with something. Oh, you know what? I want to. I want to create. I want to. I want to see if somebody's done Dragon Star. Yep. <laughs> or Fallout. Or Transformers. Mm-hmm. Or Aliens. You name it. So, cool. Alright, so everyone who worked on this project, Archelus, uh, Archelus Flobio, the uh, person who the did artist. the art, Arno, uh, and the guys who helped contribute, all of you, we give you 50 pieces of awesome. All right, everybody. Welcome back. We are um, into the books of Genesis part of the show. <laughs> oh, and the name of our episode is Rally, Rally the, Troops. the Troops with an exclamation point. <laughs> yeah, we are going to be talking about the mass combat rules from Star Wars, specifically from their lead by example source book, page 70. So it's not a Genesis source book. And if you don't have it, you won't be able to follow along. But that's okay. Because we're going to go through some mass combat checks. How you can do it. So what the mass combat check is for, and there's a sidebar here on 70 that really, really puts it in perspective. It's a storytelling tool. To, to If you have this huge battle, you don't want to have everybody roll a combat check you know, to hit right so you just want to it's it's a level of abstraction for the narrative and the system you know with the narrative dice system there the dice are a means to an end right mm-hmm. of the narrative and this is just another tool to do that um so we're going to get into how to make these combat checks when to make them and what's involved with it so tony yes sir and are we going to want to make a combat check? Or what, does it go into when <clears throat> so, first? Yeah. Yeah. It, so f- the mass combat check, you run a large-scale battle. The GM makes a series of checks over the course of a scene. So whether it's a social – maybe your characters are in a social combat and there's a battle going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Whether your characters are in a narrative scene and uh, you've got a battle going on. Does It does not matter. Mm-hmm. Um it really is just about determining, you kind of want to determine, well, it goes into what these called phases. Yes, that's an it, important concept we got to get across here, definitely. Uh, it is uh, the phases determine when, the roll, when to roll the mass combat check during a battle. The GM should first break the battle's timeline into phases. Mm-hmm. So similar to a round of combat... Uh, a phase is a period of time during which meaningful change could occur in the battle. Uh, 
Yep. And they use a huge example in here from Star Wars. Every, you know, damn near every single person has seen The Empire Strikes Back, yep. the Battle of Hoth. Yeah. You have the initial phase, the first phase, which is, you know, um, the landing of the empower, Empire on Hoth. That's the first phase. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and even you could have, like, the preparatory leading up to that. But really, that's the first phase of the battle is when they landed. Then there's the, the approach of the Adats as they're approaching the base of mm-hmm. the AT-ATs. Then there's the breaching of the base. And then there's the escape into space. Yep. And that's really kind of, you know, your phases of the battle. Mm-hmm. And as a GM, you determine what that time frame is. Yep. So for a small battle, maybe it's 10 minutes. Maybe um, it's up to an hour for for long basically 10 minutes to an hour for each phase mm-hmm. um ranging from small battles to large huge scale battles um so each phase will take a certain increment of time so that that yeah. first and in that time you can determine what goes on in that amount of time it gives you an idea of what the dice results are going to lead to right but um when planning a mass combat, GM should determine what constitutes victory and what is a defeat for the active force for each phase separately. Mm-hmm. And the active uh, force would be the the PCs, right? Yes, the, active, the force active force is always the players um, in yep. this case. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I'm looking here. It says you could break the battle into phases in two different ways, time or events. Would you mm-hmm. mix and match those then? Yeah, you could do it either way. Um, Strictly time, by time. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have a specific amount of time that you want to spend. You need to hold off enemy forces for two hours so there that you your go. reinforcements can arrive. Okay. It's a great example is um, the Battle of Helm's Deep. The objective of that mm-hmm. battle, though there were many phases in that battle, the real objective was time, to make time till dawn. You could break that down mm-hmm. into hours, and each hour as it rolls by, because those forces were huge, each hour as it rolls by and the checks being made, and each time the, the, the characters are forced to retreat further and further into the keep. Yeah. Um, or you could break it down into events like I did with the Battle of Hoth and do the, the those there. Either way, um, you do it as mm-hmm. a GM. You should decide it in advance. Right. And you got to think about... What is what? It, what is the conditions for failure and success? What does success mean? What does failure mean for that? And of course, you know, you'll you'll want to you want to be flexible, right? When things come up, and if advantage is being spent or disadvantage is being th- spent, which there are ways to do that, which we'll get into, you still want to be you still want to be flexible and be able to say the yes but, you know, use that yes but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> way <laughs> so right. so so tony we have the phases of mm-hmm. our battle the next step would be making the check right and building the pool correct building your pool mm-hmm. and your pool your pool is comprised of uh basically uh five elements you have your ability dice which is built by your friendly force mm-hmm you have your difficulty dice, which is built by the size of your enemy force. You have your upgrade dice, 
would uh, upgrade to proficiency dice on the on the positive side. Yep. Um, that is built by your leader's leadership skill. Okay. And then you have your upgrade of difficulty dice into challenge dice, which is done mainly on the uh, leadership of the enemy commander. Yep. And then the last one is boosted setback dice based on circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just like creating, like building up really any other dice pool, it's going to really feel the same. Mm-hmm. And we have examples for doing this. You'll you'll want to create what's called. You want to decide what the force strength is, mm-hmm. and it can go anything from say trivial to an overwhelming force strength. So, for example, of a trivial um, trivial force strength would be, you know, hundreds of your civilian militia. You know, you're in Tiranoth. You're like, God, gather the gather the town. You know, guards in this little hamlet, and there's like four of them. Well, that's yeah. going to be a trivial forest, right? You're going to add one green. Farmers with pitchforks. <laughs> Basically, yeah, because yeah, there's a yeah. because Frankenstein is up in up in his tower, right? Or or if you're in a modern setting, uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of bums with uh, improvised weapons. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Yeah, that's going to be a trivial force no matter mm-hmm. what because it's not trained individuals. Yep. Um, a single platoon of trained soldiers. Uh, that would be a trivial force, mm-hmm. um, so, but each time you do this, you got to kind of you got to kind of build the chart in advance as a, as a GM yep. for your setting. If you're going to use the mass combat rules, you can look at these. These are in Star Wars terms, so yeah. I mean, we have to ca- translate it. And yeah, I use, not everybody I, really has. Nobody, not everybody will have this too. So right, exactly. Got, yeah, so we'll have trivial, significant, imposing staggering vast and overwhelming and like we said you know your handful of pitch guys with pitchforks then you can go up to uh you know a dozen of e- a dozen ewoks or tuscan raiders would be a significant force right and so each one of those levels mm-hmm. determines how many dice you use right with trivial being one green die yep significant being two two Imposing being imposing being three, mm-hmm. staggering being four, vast being five, and overwhelming, aka the orcs. Or sorry, uh, <laughs> that's the enemy force. <laughs> yeah. um, the uh, but that's like the largest army out there. That's right. going to be six green dice because there's no there's no hard limit here other than that. Exactly, exactly. So. You know, so significant would be a dozen Ewoks. We'll just give you some examples here of them. Mm -hmm. Imposing would be a dozen Wookiee Warriors. Of course they would be, because they're badass. Squadron of Hover Tanks or the Heavy Walkers. Those Heavy Walkers going on Hoth, making that attack on Hoth would be an imposing check. Unless there was a... Staggering, you've got a battalion of... uh, Battalion of imperial army troopers the mm-hmm. entire battalion in the solo movie that was attacking the 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 mud planet there um in the the solo movie i can't remember the name of it off the top. minban um okay. yeah that that was all regular army but there was a whole battalion there yeah um that would be a staggering force cool um uh, vast would be like a platoon of elite commandos yeah. like your top of the 
you know, you're like uh, a great example would be a vast force would be I use the example of Predator. Those that is an entire platoon of elite commandos attacking an outpost. Yes. That is a vast force. Mm-hmm. And they would and who was there in that first town town? They'd probably be imposing maybe. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. a p- platoon of you know rebels in their own camp, right? Mm-hmm. And Schwarzenegger and his peoples coming in, get do, get then they get do the chopper, right? And mm-hmm. then any, and then of course, overwhelming is any force larger or more skilled than that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, if you, whatever you can come up with there, exactly. right? It could be as after that. That's your ceiling. Anything beyond mm-hmm. what it's kind of your vast, what you consider vast. Is going to be overwhelming. It's overwhelming, yeah. And so. then, and then, like we said, it goes, you know, trivials one green or purple because you want to do this for both sides now. Remember, right? And that's what I was going to get into next. Oh, so the ahead. difficulty dice on the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, I use an example. Let's just use the example of the Battle of Helm's Deep because you know sure. it's one that most players have seen. Um, Let's Lord of the Rings. Okay, the, uh, and. You would say, okay, so the the defending force, the dwarves, the elves, the, you know, once the elves showed up, most definitely that brought it up to another. They were probably there was probably an imposing force to start with. Yes, with just the humans, Humans. but then you add the elves, and then you add the elite company of Aragorn and his men. Yeah, I would almost push that into a vast force. Really? Okay. cool. Cool. Yeah. But then you look at the enemy side, which yeah. was thousands, 10,000 yes. strong, was it 100,000 strong of mm-hmm. orcs and Urukai? That would be more than vast, right? <laughs> that was an overwhelming force. We're talking about either a staggering or a vast force, depending on how the GM lays out what he thinks they are. Right. But that would be overwhelming. Versus an overwhelming enemy. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a six purple difficulty dice versus four or five green Ability Depending, dice. correct. Yep, yep, yep. Right. And then you're going to determine which dice you upgrade to proficiency dice and which ones you upgrade to challenge dice. Okay. So let's start on. So let's start the um, on the Helm's Deep side. The leaders okay. in that. Now you would you have you have mainly two main leaders. You have Aragorn and the um, king, the Odin. Right. Theoden, Theoden ran yeah. the battle up until he gave up. Yep. He ran the battle. So he's going to be the commander that would have had the checks throughout most of the battle, various phases. Okay, so the first but, few so the first so if we broke that battle up into a few phases, he would we would take the leadership skill of King Theoden mm-hmm. the first couple phases. Okay, got right. it. Cool. Right. But when you get down to the charge out of the 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 final keep the inner keep mm-hmm. when you get to that charge it was definitely That's aragorn, aragorn. oh that. yeah yep so yep. you're going to use his leadership skill to upgrade the check gotcha and then on the enemy side even though he was commanding the forces from afar saruman was commanding the battle the whole time yep yep and so you would use his leadership uh, his leadership from beginning to end of that battle correct Okay, so we have that feel for it, you know, to kind of let people set up. And then, so then the next one are your boost and setback dice. And again, like anything else, these are your circumstances of the battle that Mm -hmm. are not leadership, you know, 
um, your leadership or your ranks in leadership or anything, but it's circumstances of that battle. So um, I would say definitely a couple of boost dice because of they were in the keep. Or they were in, oh. they were to Helm's Deep. I mean, they had multiple defensible positions built into absolutely. that keep. And that's easy. Early on, early space. on, right? And then mm-hmm. once the wall busted, then that might go away, and that may change as the battle goes along, right? Right. So, but also on the other side of things, there mm-hmm. was the weather, the rain. Yes. That began right in the middle of the battle. That would be a setback die. Yep. Um, and it was for at the night. defending force. It was, also because, at, it was also at night too. And the orcs having dark vision, mm-hmm. that would not be a setback for that side of the force. Oh, so it would definitely be a setback for the players' side or okay. the defenders. So and we're then, looking at a, definitely a couple of boost dice and then a couple of setback dice for those reasons. And, what else we think? And then there's also kind of the non-combatants that they were trying to protect that were hidden in the caves. Mm-hmm. And you could even say that that worked both ways that you had mm-hmm. the non-combatants able to bring supplies to the warriors during the battle if you had them doing that okay and even the resolve of those players defending those you know defending the walls that's the reason why and that's just a, like almost a morale die if you will right mm-hmm. or if the defendants are being or the sorry is the non-combatants are being used as hostages in the situation not in that battle but if they had been, you mm-hmm. know, people being slaughtered in the streets, like with the okay, the Battle of the Pelennor Fields when the orcs finally oh, yeah. breached into the into mm-hmm. um, or even throwing the heads, right? Minus two, I mean, right. catapulting the heads that were from that attack Faramir led. Mm-hmm. You're right, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Those examples would be great examples of this in a fat- fantasy setting that you could use as an idea for Terranoth and how to build these charts for a Terranoth game. And, yep. and, and honestly, getting a feel for it isn't hard as a GM. You just mm-hmm. kind of decide what you want to throw in a few setback dice. Don't get too bad. I would go with more than three or four yeah. um, setback or boost dice mm-hmm. in a given check. Just because, yep. I mean, your, your hands are only so big to hold so many dice. And again, yeah, well, that's true. But you also have two hands, right? So you can cup them. <laughs> um, but, you know, and you can, um, and again, GMs, and again, Jeremy, this is another, another. see, kind of thinking of these uh, these ideas for you there, Jeremy. Um, listen to your players. Mm-hmm. Allow them, that's one of the things, again, that's one of the things that, um, that I really hadn't experienced as a GM not because or a DM before even even as well how engaged the players were when running this system now granted yeah I, I, I feel I, I run a pretty good game and people are engaged and whatever but never really had a lot of them leaning in to see the results and wanting to help with adjudicating the dice which is bad, actually bad practice counting other people's dice so well, mm-hmm. as but long still, as you're letting the original person count them and count get the, the result, get the everyone result. else can pitch in can to pitch the in with actual ideas. adjudication of them. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. And that's, that's again, and with this too, with this mass combat, the ideas are coming in. You know, you could say no to some, say yes to, I'm not saying say yes to all of them, but listen to what your players are saying. Right. So this so. isn't, okay, so this is just one check Yes. to resolve a scene in this mass combat or phase 
right, well. a phase. Okay. Who rolls it? That honestly is up to you. If you mm-hmm. want to say, I'm the GM, I'm going to roll it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's more engaging with the players. Yep. If you let, if you have, I'm sorry, but this is the way I designed mine the last time I did one. I had four, five players at the table. I had five phases, and I let each player roll once. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it. Um, Most definitely. And make a fit. Now, now did you make a phase? Um, I could was I in on that game or was that one of the That was the Star Wars game where I ran the mass combat alongside where mm-hmm. you guys were the highest ranking individual was Stefan's character, Stefan's commander. Yep. Um, and Stefan ran the first round, rolled the first round, and everyone else rolled a round after that. Everyone mm-hmm. else got a chance to roll the leadership check. I spread the wealth. Yeah. Um, That's a good way And I it. ran it right alongside a small because this battle was going on outside the asteroid while the players were on the asteroid. So yeah. this was a mass space battle that was going on. Yeah, and um, very cool. <laughs> at the, I ran it in conjunction with a small unit fight, and I did so kind of um, as background. So what we did was we did it at the end of each combat round. Yep. So, yeah, but yeah. Cool. So... Next thing we get into is resolving the pool. Right, yeah. Whoever makes it, right? So at the end of a given phase, the players construct and roll the mass dice pool. It tells you right here, Mm -hmm. the players roll it. But um, You know what it did say up there? The, um, I I thought I read that the GM rolls it as well. Yeah, but either way. To perform a mass combat check, the GM creates a dice pool based on the current states. Oh, he builds it because he has this. Oh, I see. Yeah. The GM then rolls. See, their their counter top of page seventy one here. <laughs> That's what, then he rolls the pool and determines. But then when they go to resolve the check, they say the PCs do it. Yeah, you have well, the PCs. no, it's just the players construct. Now the GM is a player too. Well, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing a game. That is true. <laughs> All right. You technically Doesn't you say the player correct. characters, but anyhow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the result of the check determines success or failure in that particular phase, not the whole mm-hmm. overarching battle. Yep. On a successful check, the acting force accomplishes objectives, and in a failure, they don't. Simple yep. as that. Yep. Additionally, if you want to have varying levels of success, you can have. Um, multiple successes and have reasons of things that happen for multiple successes in yeah. that check. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And then here on page 74, we have uh, and 75, we have the two charts. We have, again, these are only suggestions. Yep. But they are suggestions on how to spend advantage and triumph and how mm-hmm. to spend threat and despair, yep. respectively. Yeah. Um, yeah. For instance, I'll just go into one advantage, or a, or again, you can always use a triumph to do anything that one advantage could do. Yep. Um, but all characters acting within the acting force recover one strain. There Everyone, not just one, but everybody. Cool. Um, the PCs notice a key feature of the enemy force and its position on the battlefield. Again, that's cool. That would mechanically lead to the next phase maybe getting a boost die. Good. 
definitely. Or it may be something that comes into the encounter at the end of the battle or mm -hmm. the individual encounter that the PCs are running, whichever. Yeah. Yep. What else is there with like for two a couple, advantage? For two advantage or a triumph, mm -hmm. um, the um, attack r reveals a weakness in the enemy forces, and you can add a add a boost die to the next phase of the, 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 the next combat check for the next Okay, phase. so this automatically tells you this would add a boost die to the next mm -hmm. phase. Maybe the uh, the previous one wouldn't add a boost die. Maybe it would allow you to subtract a setback die. There you go. That's good, okay. too. Yeah. Okay. And then um, there's also another thing. Um, the PCs perform a particularly heroic act. So when the okay. battle's over, um, th and then their duty would increase by one. And for ex in Age of Rebellion, um, their system, they have a duty mechanic where as you're your um your party goes up you know making contributions to the to the rebellion um that goes up so you can completely do this um like maybe their their fame um fortune um whatever you're playing in um, maybe maybe in a in a, in a Terranoff game after yeah. they finish the battle the local king gives them a reward of some kind there you it. go absolutely yep yeah. so what do we have next for three um, advantage with three advantage or a triumph, uh, an unnoticed geographical feature of the battlefield, a stand of trees, a valley, a rock formation, affords the acting forces some cover. The acting force may downgrade the difficulty of their next combat mass combat check. Simple as that. It allows a downgrade. Wow. Um, or the, Which means, or the, now, now that's red to a purple. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Or the acting force disables an important piece of enemy hardware, destroying a heavy weapon or an item or a piece of equipment that provided the enemy with an advantage during the battle. Um, Very nice. Yeah. Uh, or lastly, the leader of the attacking force makes a rousing speech to inspire the troops and enacts a cunning plan. The acting force may upgrade their next mass combat check. Woohoo! That's awesome. Yeah, for three advantage to upgrade, normally that's just the realm of a triumph. That's not bad. That's not bad. That is not bad. Um, so, and speaking of a triumph, um, mm -hmm. you can make an enemy abandon its post and run. Mm -hmm. um, if you generate a triumph. Um, let's see, a notable NPC um, performs a feat of heroism. Providing the acting force with a tangible benefits, which makes a name for the NPC in the Rebel Alliance. That's interesting. Reinforcements so it, arrive. Yeah, that'd be some serious non, uh, like <laughs> fame that wouldn't necessarily particularly apply to the battle. Basically, right. Sorry. Right. Continue. Yep. And then, um, and then reinforcements arrive, and this will increase the strength. Um, of your force by one step. Now remember those steps that we were talking about, trivial, significant, it can make a significant to an imposing um, threat. Like for instance, um, when the elves showed up. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, yep. You know, that that's increasing that um, the strength of your force. And you can spend a triumph on that. Now, two triumphs. What do yeah. we think? <laughs> Sizable reinforcements arrive. Uh, A.K.A. the arrival of Gandalf and the Rohirrim. Um, yes, definitely. Two, two triumphs. 
this increases the force strength of the acting force two steps, wow. uh, say from significant to stand uh, to staggering, in all future phases. Or a another one you could do is a dramatic narrative moment gives the PCs a chance to single-handedly change the entire course of the battle. Ooh. This could be anything from a chance encounter with an enemy commander, aka you ran across the uh, the enemy commander on the battlefield and you slaughtered him. To a nice. dogfight with the enemy forces top ace. A oh, great, nice. great example would be Han Solo coming out of nowhere and knocking mm. Darth Vader off of Luke's tail at the end of Star, <laughs> the original Star Wars. That's right. Yep. Uh, that would be a double triumph for that mm-hmm. in a mass battle. All right. And conversely, uh, we don't have to get onto all of them, but it's really the exact opposite on the other side mm-hmm. uh, for threat and despair. When the PCs roll threat, it's a negative. Um, right. So it's going to either cause them all to suffer strain or add setback dice or give, take away boost dice or upgrade their checks, uh, uh, difficulties of their checks, or downgrade their ability mm-hmm. uh or their proficiency dice to ability dice or reinforcements are going to arrive for the enemy, for the despairs, mm-hmm. things like that. Your so, PC, well, for two threat here, your PC could suffer four wounds. Yes. For one of the a, PCs for a despair. They could yes. suffer critical injury. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you GMs out there have some fleshy bits to mess with them with. <laughs> cool. And, and so that's pretty much how to do it. Now, there's really one, only one way we're going to show people how it can be used in Genesis. Oh, yeah. And I'd say it's time for some advantageous threats. Welcome to Advantageous Threats. This is where we roll dice to determine a result for you. Normally on the show, we just do a quick fake scenario. But today, we're going to do a mass combat. Yes. I like what you've come up here with, dude. Yes. (laughs) I think it's pretty cool. If you've listened to our previous episodes, there was a certain little dwarf that decided he was going to behead my dragon um, with a one shot it hello <laughs> so and uh i have developed a, an encounter that occurs about a year later so Ooh, right, here it yeah. is here's here's my description okay it's been a year since the legendary beheading of rythrax and Asgar, the doom of ages at the hands of Kilzak the dragon slayer a new threat has arisen the necromancer Grave Lord Mesnathar has unearthed the dragon's remains and has ported them into his tower with the purpose of resurrecting the ancient worm and binding it to his will. AKA, he's going to make a barrow worm out of the dragon's remains. (laughs) So, the Necromancer's Tower, or Nightfang Tower, sits in an enormous cavern hidden in the mountains of despair and is guarded by an und- a force of undead that comprises of a death knight commander and 48 reanimate warriors. <laughs> 
So <laughs> that would be that's nine. That's uh, sorry, eight. What is that? Six, eight. It's a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bunch of that's a bunch of minions, but um, yep. And I'll get into what I determined is the size of that force. But a small force of heroes has arisen to stop the vile necromancer and his undead force from animating the dragon's corpse, led by none other than Kilzak and Gorgo. A score of hardened mercenaries will bravely raid Mesnathar's tower to put an end to his evil plan. Exactly. <laughs> I told you we should have buried it more, Gorgo. <laughs> I told you we should have sunk it into the sea. Oh, that could have worked too. <laughs> but you know what? What made me think it was, you know what? You know what makes this pretty awesome mm-hmm. is that I had a character. Kilzak was has not been the first time I've used that name on a dwarf. Nice. Believe it or not. I swear to shit God that, well, not shit God, but you know what I mean. I swear, I swear to God that I had a dwarf character named Kilzak, 1994, who trained up a group of a town guardsmen, mm-hmm. went with his party, you know, other characters, right, to slay a dragon. Nice. <laughs> and this brought back, and I must say, my GM, DM, that was done. That was like first edition D and D, baby. Um, my buddy Scott played that dragon like he should play a freaking dragon, because all the dudes were wiped. <laughs> Killzack was just about dead, and yeah, that was sweet. That brought back memories. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. So now, well, we're in, so Kilzak and Gorgol, right. they have their mercenaries. Yes. So we have a score. Now that would be basically a company yep. of hardened mercenaries. Now, my determination by the size of that force mm-hmm. is a score of hardened mercenaries is probably going to be a staggering force. Now, what gives me that idea? Well, I looked at the staggering force and a company a.k.a. a mercenary company, mm-hmm. of rebel marines or imperial stormtroopers. Well, yeah. rebel marines, mercenaries. Hardened. They're hardened mercenaries, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So, so how, many, how, many phases, how many phases are we going to have, though? So I happen to have this as uh, four phases of mass combat, the fifth phase being the battle with the necromancer. Cool. So that would actually be a full combat that Gorgo and uh, any surviving members of their party, Gorgo and and Kilzak, would uh, perhaps be uh, entering into the Necromancer's chamber to try and so, stop so the, the so the So the fifth phase is basically the boss fight. Right. Cool. With whoever's left. Right. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, uh, without further ado, now, the enemy... Com- okay, so the enemy force of mm-hmm. 48 reanimated warriors mm-hmm. um, kind of gave me the way I saw it is a good example it said an army of several these are just undead they're just simple undead skeletons with several dozen yeah that's I mean yeah. four dozen is several I right. would think that's several dozen yeah. imposing right. so yeah an imposing force several dozen mm-hmm. gungans or towels or in this case just bolo undead right um 
So, yeah, four dozen, easily. So cool. we got 12 minion groups of four is what I uh, should have put down, but um, <laughs> I didn't put that in the notes. Yeah, math um, hard, I understand. I math are hard. <laughs> math are <Yeah>. hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then their, their commander, if I look at the Death Knight stats in Terranoth, which I happen to have right in front of me. Coolness. The Death Knight does not have, normal Death Knight does not have any ranks in leadership. Okay. However, mm-hmm. he does have one rank in adversary. Now, this is my opinion. If your commander of an enemy force does not have any ranks in leadership, you should always just upgrade once for them having ranks. Doesn't matter how many ranks, but ranks in adversary. And this yeah. is why. Because this is a mass combat check. Mm-hmm. An adversary should upgrade the difficulty of all combat checks. Yep. Against that unit. You're against a Death Knight. You're right. Yeah, I agree. So I, agree. I would, even though he only has one rank, if he had one rank, two ranks, three ranks, it wouldn't matter. I would upgrade it once. Just once. Gotcha. But yeah. then the leadership would take it above, above the one rank, above yeah, the one and, upgrade. Gotcha. That's cool. Yep. Yeah. I like yeah. it. And and if he had the ranks in leadership, I would just use that. Cool. You know, because they're more you know, but again, okay. you should this should if if it's an adversary that's leading the enemy forces, you should always have at least one upgraded dice. Gotcha. So that's All right. my opinion. Cool. So that's what you call a house rule or something here or what? But so no, our positive sense. our positive dice pool right now is four green dice. Mm-hmm. Um for staggering. Yep. But we're going to use the commander of those troops up to upgrade. And which one of these guys has a better leadership, Gorgo or Kilzak? I gave uh, Kilzak two in leadership. And two Gorgo. Two presents, I think. And Gorgo has no ranks in leadership. Gotcha. <laughs> I was just thinking of my other character, Kilzak. I'm like, yeah, dude, he had leader. He had some leadership. <laughs> this kill Zach would have some leadership. He's done it before. Yep. Gorgo had zero ranks in leadership. So Gotcha. Kill Zach would probably be the leader. So he has cool. two ranks. Yep. So right now we're at the positive dice are a two green, two yellow pool. Two green, two yep. Now the negative dice, we said it was an imposing force, or three purple dice. Yep. But I'm upgrading one of those for adversary. Gotcha. Now, you as I, since I'm the GM that kind of designed this, but yeah. we're both players in this scenario, mm-hmm. uh, I'll just have you roll it. Um, yeah, first, can, I'll, I'll roll the first one. Well, yeah, we can go back and forth. It's all good. All right, so the first phase of the battle mm-hmm. is the tower's outer defenses. So I said this is built in a cavern. Okay. And the commander has set up some uh, rather difficult trenched entrenched undead troops outside oh. um, okay. to defend this tower outside the tower alone outside the walls of the tower there's troops on the battlefield and the mercenaries have to get through them before they can even breach the walls so phase one is going to be tower def- outer defenses phase two breaching the tower okay phase three the fight to the top of the tower that's okay. trying to get up the stairs and okay. get past all these 
undead everywhere in the tower, and fight uh, fight phase four, getting into the ritual chamber. Gotcha. So they have a okay. big force there too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. <clears throat> All right. So let's roll for phase one uh, now. So we can add. Phase so let's let's see. Any boost dice or setback dice here? Are we doing it in a cover night? Because I would. Because Killzak has um, dark vision. But these are undead, and they can see in the dark too. So it just doesn't matter. Okay, so so there's that. Um, but it is an entrenched position. The troops outside definitely they a have one or two trenches. One, one setback, setback die. One setback die there. Is there anything Gorgo being the casting? He's a caster, right? He's like a shape changer, caster. Right. He's a primal so, caster. Was there? Is there anything with that ability? Yes, as a matter of fact, Gorgo could say that he is assisting the commander's check by using his um, his primal magic to uh, give everyone a bestial rage. Ooh, I like that. That's worth to a boost up, die. Or yeah, upgrade? so that would throw in a boost die. Definitely yeah. a boost die there. Yeah. Okay, I like this pool. So we got two yellow. Two green, a boost die for the bestial rage. Two purple, a red for the adversary, right? And then um, a setback die for the entrenched position. Yes. All right. Let's roll them. Would we use story points in this case? You co- totally can. It's any roll in Genesis. You can use story You're right. Points. Um, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm good with taking the roll like we've got it. All right, here we go. Ooh. This is going to be a failure okay. with two threat. Um, yeah, so definitely the, the, um, the upgrade for the adversary contributed to the failure there okay so and the setback die was came up as a threat as well so a failure with a with two threat okay so uh in this case because gorgo started chanting and (laughs) was the enemy archers as soon as they heard his voice lifting up into a primal prayer uh in this case uh Archers targeted him, and he suffered four wounds. <laughs> oh, that's the suck. And so we don't get past this initial phase, the getting through the defenses and de- decimating the outer defenses. So now, I would even say that in the next phase, as the enemy or as the main group is trying to breach the tower, now it's going to be even harder. And I probably even would impose some setback dice. Due to the fact that there's now all these undead coming out of the trenches behind the advancing force. Oh, no. That's a bummer. All right. So moving on to the next phase mm-hmm. where they're trying to breach the tower walls. Mm-hmm. It's going to be harder. Our force size is going to be the same. But I would go as a GM and I would flip a story point and say... With these undead harrying the back of our advancing force with arrows from their entrenched positions, I'm going to go ahead and flip story point and upgrade. Another one. Ooh. Alrighty then. Now, the tower, getting into the tower, 
is actually a much more hardened position than a few trenches. Gotcha. So I would throw in another setback die for that. So two setback. Yep. Now, the boost still I using came in, the boost I came in with the rage, beastial so rage. Still using Killzax, um, uh, stats. Gorgo uh-huh. can assist in some other way. He's already tried to give people bestial rage, and that didn't really work. Right. But they know he's a caster, so he's going to attend again, attempt to cast a spell. But this time, he's going to try and summon a wind at your backs to try and take the arrows out of the air. Ooh, there you go. And in this case, mm-hmm. I, there you'll get a boost die for that. Cool. Um, and and as the player. Mm-hmm. I what would like. I've, I'm going to flip a story point here, because we brought a freaking battering ram. Because we knew nice. we were we were going to need to breach a freaking door. All right. So, <laughs> so that's probably a boost die. Oh no, that's not a boost die. That's an upgrade. That is an upgrade. Sweet. And you're rolling this one, right? Uh, yeah. Sure. I'll roll it. Yeah. Go for it. All right. Bam. All right, first of all, there are no triumphs and no despair. Oh. But I count one, two, three, four successes. Ooh. And two advantage. Nice. Yeah, one of my red dice came up blank. So four successes right. and two advantage. So as the player in this scenario, so to speak, mm-hmm. how would you like to spend the advantage? Four successes means, let me tell you that as the GM in this scenario. Sure, sure. Four successes means you breach the wall, the tower walls. The tower walls, gotcha. And, and in doing so, with the battering ram, mm-hmm. you have put the enemy forces in a bit of a disarray. And with four successes, I would say you have left those archers behind. So I can't use that as a as something to affect future checks. They they are so far behind you. You just went right through the doors of the tower and are in, okay. and are undercover faster than undread undead archers can catch up. Gotcha. And because, and I'm going to spend the advantage in this way, um, because we got through the door so quickly, mm-hmm. the forces on the other side were kind of caught off guard a bit. Giving us a boost die to this next to this next check. Alright. So putting my dice back. This even though you're rolling it, I like to keep the pool yep. that you're yeah, rolling just good. to see it. Yeah, so, so again, I'm putting my we're with two two um two yellow, two green, right? Mm-hmm. Same force, one red, two purple, a boost die because of the kind of caught catching them aware unawares. Let's see. This next phase is what getting up the getting up the stairs, this is right? Fighting to the top of the tower. Yes. Fighting to the top of the tower. Ooh, I have a good one for what Gorgo can do. Mm-hmm. Um, his next spell could be potentially speeding us up, or oh, or hasting. maybe or hasting us or enhancing the forces in some way, or maybe just Killzak himself to kind of punch through and get us up the stairs quicker in some nice. way, you know? Nice. Okay. All right. So that'd be another, bo- another boost, boost die for that. Cool. And I would go back to one black die 
even though they are inside the tower, they do have the high ground. I'm good with that. And that counts for something. How about I mean, the counted to work for Obi Wan? Yep. And how about the um? How about the narrowness of the climb as well? Though we have some forces, would that impose a, a setback die in any way? You think? I think it hinders both forces. So probably cancels. So it's probably not there. Yeah. Um, our mercenaries are they affected by darkness? Do we need light for them, or did I bring my dwarven brethren? Wow. <laughs> uh. What would you like? <laughs> That's your force. You built it. <laughs> that is true. Um, I'd say probably a mixture of it. Okay. And maybe we didn't take that into consideration. Okay. So, you know, we may have to, it might um, impose a setback die going up. So some well, of our Well, forces... out of the cavern, there was some natural lichen, maybe lighting things. But in here, in the tower, yeah. the undead don't need any light. And you're yeah. completely in pitch black. Right. So... Throw in another setback. Gotcha. Okay. Sounds good to me. All right. This looks good. All righty then. Here we go. Here's our third phase. Let's get up those stairs, sucker. Oh, I see a despair. <laughs> I am not rolling. I am not good at this game. <laughs> oh my gosh. Holy threat, Batman. Okay. Here we go. We got. Okay, so the boost dice pfft, came up blank. Everything up came up threat, and okay, so that's going to cancel that. For, okay, so I have three successes. Okay. Three threat and a despair. All right. But we make it to the top. So <laughs> the acting force with the three threat, the acting force gets bogged down in difficult terrain. Fighting on staircases is not easy, so you get very separated. Okay. We're going to upgrade automatically the difficulty of their next check. Yes, okay. I got gotcha. you. Once. Breaching through would... Okay, mm-hmm. I like that. That's cool. And in the process of climbing the stairs, uh-huh. <laughs> Killzak... You're gonna you're gonna do that, aren't you? It's gonna suffer a critical injury. <laughs> awesome. Why don't you roll that? I don't have my table out <laughs> in All front right. of me here. <laughs> well, I have... A, um, I have one here. It's the Star Wars one, so there are mi- minor differences. I rolled a 48, w- uh, okay. which is a head ringer. The oh. character increases the difficulty of all intellect and cunning checks by one till the end of the encounter. So that'd be until the end of the mass combat. If you had to have any kind of cunning or intellect, mm-hmm. you would have uh, a... Uh, so sneaking into one shot your necromancer? I'm yeah, gonna get, I- yeah. Stealth ain't gonna happen. Stealth ain't gonna Well, it will. He just got a head ringer. It's just gonna be upgraded. And don't worry about the intellects. Killzak doesn't really think first. He just acts, right? This is true. I like it. That's cool, dude. That is cool. Okay. And now we go to the uh, readjust the dice pool back. So we're back to uh, our basic dice pool mm-hmm. of uh, two yellow, two green, and. Um, Two purple and, or excuse me, one purple and two red because of the threat, it's now upgraded. Well, that's right. Yes. Because we got separated. And now it's. No, hang on a minute. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's down. It's uh, upgraded. Gotcha. Yep. Now it's the entry into the ritual chamber. Gotcha. Now, the way I see this is you've got your Death Knight commander, finally, who's been here. He's got this. 
defensible position where he's just got a wall of undead between you and him. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, he is raining down uh, the Death Knight's ability of uh, – he has uh, some spell-like ability where he can just um, – uh, what is it called? Uh I can't remember the name of it, but anyhow, and he's on this undead horse where he sits above his troops. Awesome. Yep. Yep. And he's uh, and he's back there behind them, commanding them. And there's this glowing door that you've got to breach past and get past him and his troops. So this ain't going to be easy with only half your force. No. Uh, That's why it's upgraded. Um, Yep. It's a magically sealed door. So two setback dice. Understood. And you, we are going to throw in a boost die because Gorgo is going to be attempting to counterspell. Okay. Okay. I feel like I feel like there's a story point that needs to be spent here on mm-hmm. our side. Yes, because, because you can hear the ritual going on on the other side. It's already underway. Ooh. Okay. So yeah, so I think my story point to upgrade. What is that gonna do? What does Killzack do? What do they do here with that? Um, I think he just he just he just I, rallies his troops with a um, with a uh, like a dwarven war chant, or even a, a rousing speech about. Because remember, yeah. the storyline behind his ne- this was his nemesis, this dragon that's trying to be raised from the dead. This, oh, yeah. this dragon destroyed, killed his clan. Yes. Yeah. So maybe a story of his, uh, the children of that clan and how they mm-hmm. were brutally slain by this dragon. We can't allow this nemesis, this horrid beast to be reborn. Absolutely. All right. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to roll this up and this will be the, probably our final phase of the mass combat. Yes. All right, first thing, another blank red die. The blue die was blank as well. Okay. Uh, So I have um, net one single threat, two successes, and a triumph. Oh, I like it. I like it. So as the GM, I would decide how the single threat is spent. Uh, But I'd first tell the players what success means. Success means that through moving the forces around, forcing the undead to abandon their position to defend their commander, the the um, the warriors in your cadre, the mercenaries, and Gorgo and Kilzak are able to break through the door into mm-hmm. the chamber, into the ritual chamber. That's success. Gotcha. Now, threat. Um, during that, the casting of said spell with the evil necromancy on the other side mm-hmm. is going to make Gorgo suffer one additional strain. Okay. Now, gotcha. uh, sorry, all the people inside suffer one additional strain. Yeah, so all of us will take a strain. All okay, of them. Cool. But what that does for poor Gorgo is pushes him over his strain limit. Oh, and he drops? No. no. Oh, Gorgo oh. is a were hyena. That's right, he is. He changed. And he is 
going to immediately shape change into his man hyena or his orc hyena form, not be able to cast any more spells, and he is just going to be a raging beast in this combat now. Nice. So awesome. How about your triumph? I I like okay. So I really like spending the triumph on a notable NPC saving Killzak's life by killing the Death Knight. Nice. Okay, before as they're breaching, right? This Death Knight is is just coming in with what do they have for a weapon? Whatever, just gonna completely. What he has for a weapon? A huge sword. Yeah, so he's totally gonna take take Killzak out with this. But one of his uh, dwarven brethren just shoves him out of the way and takes it himself, basically. Right. And the Death Knight and the horse that he was fall to the bottom of the tower. Yes, definitely. They go over a railing as this dwarf bowls <laughs> into him at the last minute. Yep, yep. And <laughs> they all, nice. all three of them go down, and this NPC, this dwarf, I don't know, what's his name? Um, Gimlack Glorybeard or something like that. It's Very nice, Gimlack Glorybeard. Just takes it in the face, man. <laughs> and just his songs will be, will be sung about him if we all survive <laughs> forever. Nice. All right, there we go. And so there, we've (laughs) now run through four rounds of mass combat. Mm -hmm. Now our fifth round is going to be defeat the Necromancer before he can get the ritual completed to get his Draco, his uh, Draco Lich, or as Mm -hmm. the Barrow Worm of the Great Rythrax (laughs) and Asgar to be continued. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the tales of Kilzak and Gorgo. <laughs> um, continuing adventures of Kilzak and Gorgo. Um, I, although I got to do the, I got to shift into a were hyena. I didn't get to do my were hyena howl. Uh, there, hey, dude. That's what we could start with next time. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, so yeah, we're gonna. I want to give a shout out to Mister Mean himself, John Pollock. He does um, reviews and interviews, uh, rants about all kinds of things, gaming. Um, got about 20 to 60 minutes worth of reviews and such that he does. Um, he's got a YouTube channel out there. I've got, I'll have got i put the link in the show notes for. Uh, he's on the MeWay and a Nerds International, proud Nerds International member as well. So, well done, dude. You do some good stuff. Yes. Thank you, John. Yes. Uh and thank you, Chris. Now, you can reach out to John and us, uh, like he said, like Chris said, on MeWe, mm-hmm. uh, in the Nerds International uh, group. We also have our own little group called Finding the Narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us, like the other listeners earlier, Jeremy and uh, Vickus, uh, at findingthenarrativepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can go talk to Stefan at Twitter, uh, at FTN underscore Genesis. Uh, you can get a hold of me or Stefan on Facebook at uh, Finding the Narrative face, uh, on Facebook. And then lastly but not leastly, listen to us. Tell your friends to listen to us. Tell your mom and dad to listen to us. That's right. Uh, make your players listen to us. Yes, like um, like Jeremy does. No, not Jeremy. Vickus. Vickus does. 
Yeah. Which I think that's that's that's, that's awesome. I'm glad yeah. you guys um, are forced to listen to us. I hope we don't. It's not too painful. <laughs> so wait a or second. Does that remotely mean, entertaining? Remotely and yeah, remotely. And uh, does that mean our viewer, our listenership just doubled? How big is your? It, how big is this group? If it's like five people, that's got to be like double. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we shouldn't say our tens of listeners anymore. Maybe we should say our our scores of listeners, or, or our I should say our tables of listeners. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Yes. So uh, we are available on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, and Spotify, and yes. iHeartRadio. And I heard, oh, that's right. And I heard radio. I'm hoping that went through. We'll see. All There's right. the, kind of a spotty amount of, most of our episodes are up there. <laughs> I put in the request. I need to go check that. I never got an email back, but eh, we'll see. Well, we're mostly there. <laughs> kind of like being mostly dead. <laughs> we're mostly there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right Thanks for everything. This is Tony saying keep rolling them bones and this is chris saying remember the rule of cool and just have fun everybody good night adios finding the narrative a genesis rpg podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned in this show any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners all items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.